exercise your game and maybe play it wrong, according to some folks. Anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to Playing Wrong. Podcast about RPGs, fun, food, more RPGs. Grab your dice, sit back, and get ready to play it wrong. Hey, I'm calling this one the episode about nothing because last one went really long and it was very specific. This one is going to be kind of a ramble cast. Yes, ramble, ramble, ramble. I'm going to talk about all sorts of stuff, but let's talk about, once again, like every week, there's an elephant in the room. It's time for the news. So, yeah, everybody's a buzz about Feast of Legends. A big-time company puts out a free PDF that's sort of D20-based and not actually that bad. I mean, you can tweak it to actually use it for, dare I say, a real game. But, hey, is this the point where is it jumping the shark or is it finally really hitting mainstream? So I'm sure in lots of corners of the Internet there's the big debate on there. But I'm looking at it this way. It's a game. It's free. I can take Nick's Mightiest for a home game with that. And, well, there's a few jokes in there, which, hey, I really like. But, hey, you're smart. You can take, check it out for yourself. Check out the links in the show notes. And, well, just freaking Google it, or if you're hanging around, you're going to see people yakking about it. But, hey, oh, oh, by the way, been there, done that, an American survival guide, and eh, for uh, for Dungeon Crawl Classics and uh, MCC. So, check out Crawling Under a Broken Moon. Yeah, buddy burger. All right, let's get on with this regular regular episode. Blah, regular episode, sorry. Okay, what's been up this week? I have tweaked and updated some of the stuff on the Patreon. Visited in the links. Uh, we have a little contest going. Not really contest, but I changed some of the goals of not making them directly Patreon-related, but at least building a little bit of audience. So, 50 likes on Facebook means bonus episodes of the podcast. Of course, it'll still go a week early to patrons because then they deserve something. Or, well, boom, there's the YouTube channel. 100 subscribers. That gets that neat custom URL and unlocks a bunch of other stuff. And, well, gives me the time to invest in that. So I'm doing a blog post later on that with the links. I should put the links in the show notes. But you're smart. The Facebook page is already there. The YouTube channel is in its fledgling state. So we'll see. And that's kind of what's been going on this week. Oh, also this week, you know, I'm one of the few people in the world who do not have Amazon Prime because I don't order enough stuff from them to warrant, what was it, 12 bucks, 12, 13 bucks a month? But when I do, I always go for the slower free shipping because I'm a cheap bastard. Well, this last time I had to get some stuff and I needed to go over that little $25 mark and I got some really cool roll for initiative dice. Sure, they're fa- factory seconds. But I got a good selection hey, for 9 bucks. And like I said, I really like the Roll for Initiative dice. They're a little bit bigger than, than a lot of dice. Most of them are high contrast. So it makes it a lot easier for us old grognards with crappy eyes to read them easily on the table. But they're not so big that they're oversized clunky things. And they roll pretty well. So this was a bunch of factory seconds, like 60-20s, D4s, D12s, you know, whole kit and caboodle. It was about, I think, what, 20 dice all total for 9 bucks. And like I said, the factory seconds. 
check the D20s in the salt water. They seem good. Most of it seems more cosmetic defects, like a little bit of paint missing or a mix-match color, I'm guessing, that they didn't want. But hey, it was a good buy. And let's move on to the session summary of what has gone on gaming the last two weeks. Session Summary So, yeah, like I said, this is going to be a catch-up and episode about nothing, lots of ranting. So what went on the last two weeks? Well, the one that I missed and didn't talk about last episode because it was going so long was the Delta Green game. Well, we had one player character fatality. It wasn't me. However, it was caused by me because another character was possessed by the evil spirits of the house we were in, and I shot him. I didn't want to kill him, and I figured... This is my crappiest skill. What are the odds? Apparently good enough. So, But then again, it's Delta Green. Expect to go crazy or die. And, well, my character's gone crazy. Also, this last week, we had the Labyrinth Lord game. They're going through the wonderful... What is it? S4, the Lost Caverns of Chazacanther, however the hell it's pronounced. But they are still in the first level of the caverns. And a couple things I forgot. One, yeah, Fomorians are tough, pounded up, but I forgot how tough clay golems were. You know, it's like, yeah, you got the stuff by hand, and you don't always reference the, the player's handbook and or the player's handbook, the monster listings until you actually use me. Yeah, clay golem, no problem. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I forgot that it takes a 17th level cleric to heal those wounds. Yeah. But I was nice. Nobody's near that level, and the cleric didn't even show up. And, well, got to keep them alive at least through this pretty much until they get to, well, we're going to end the campaign with Tomb of Horrors, let me put it that way, that um, that they couldn't use any potions or magic items to heal, but only spells. And that kind of sucks when the paladin's not there, or the paladin, the uh, cleric isn't there. So they still got a chance. They got the paladins lay on hands and... Well, the bards, the homegrown bard with their little bit of cure light wounds. So they're still hurting and they're haven't gotten through, just barely got through the, uh, what am I saying? They haven't barely got through. They're only like two thirds of the way through the first level and they still haven't gotten close to finding the exit to the next level where stuff gets real interesting. But hey, that's a fun module. It's a tournament module. It's a tough module. They'll go through it. I'm trying not to kill them, but hey. If it happens, it happens. But hey, when they hit two more horrors, <laughs> boy, <laughs> it's because the, the, the gloves are coming off. But if you want to have that saying that you pass through, you survive two more horrors, yeah, in my mind, you got to earn it. All right, let's move on to what's next. Oh, that's right. It's time for... This is D&D Boot Camp. Here you will learn about the Dungeons and the Dragons. If you don't, you will die a horrible and embarrassing death. Your friends will loot your body and leave your cold corpse to be eaten by giant rats. Alrighty, D&D Boot Camp. What was I going to do? Well, I think it's time I start blowing through classes. Classes are always the interesting thing, and that's like the heart of the game, really. And in the old days, you got a new player, and what did you tell him? Play a fighter. Don't play a spellcaster, don't a cleric or a wizard or a thief. Play a fighter. And if you do more advanced, no druids, they all, illusionist, all that other crap. 
play a fighter. So let's talk about fighters. At the very basics, the fighter is you run up and hit stuff with your sword, your spear, your stick, whatever the heck you're using. That's that's the basics of it. And that really hasn't changed no matter what edition you're you're playing. Sure, okay, maybe you don't run up. Maybe you stand back and you're an archer. But you still hit things with weapons. That's your role. Anything interesting is up to you. Now, later editions did give you this whole strings of feats and special abilities that the early editions didn't have. I mean, the early editions was you had the armor class, you had all the weapons, you had the best hit die. That kept you alive, usually. Later editions gave you healing surges, extra attacks, bonuses here, there, everywhere. The, those bizarre and crazy feet chains from third edition that drove me crazy and required me to have freaking spreadsheets to understand what the hell is going on with my character and plan my character from first to 20th level in case the campaign went that far. <coughs> anyway, fifth edition isn't that bad. And I know most people are playing fifth edition, so hey. The feats, there's no long feet chains. The feats are pretty simple when you're using the core book. And very easy for new players to choose how they want their character to be. And still, the fighter is one of the easier classes until you hit, well, the different, especially in 5th edition with the specializations of the champion, the battlemaster, and with the eldritch knight. But still, I don't think the eldritch knight is that good, personally. And the champion is kind of bleh. So I, you know, the few times I've played a fighter, I've always went battlemaster because I like doing maneuvers. That lets me do neat stuff in combat rather than I just hit stuff with my stick. But anyway, fighter is, in a way, it's a basic class. It's Conan. It's, you go up, it's the dwarf. It's Gimli. You're hitting stuff with axes and swords or bows. It doesn't matter. So if it doesn't have the flare and the flash of the spellcasters. It doesn't have the bookkeeping of the spellcasters either. But this still can have flare and flash. It's just kind of up to you to throw it in there to make it exciting, special, and just for you. So... Newbies, do you have to be a fighter? Nah. But hey, even veterans play fighters and they enjoy it. It's just another one of the class. And like I said, it's go and hit stuff with your weapon, either close or far. And that concludes D&D Boot Camp. Boy, I'm sorry that was kind of boring. And I know this episode is going to be an interesting one. Because like I said, it's an episode about nothing. Okay, it's just little rams of me catching up from the previous episode that was so long and crazy. But that means we are going to have to move right along to... Wait, 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 wait. I gotta do something else first. I forgot about this in the show. What This is going at the end. God damn it. Anyway, I forgot something very important. I forgot to talk about two things. I got, well, one thing I got in the mail and one thing that popped up online. One, got in the mail, The Egyptian Situation from Outer Time by Old School Publishing. This is a little adventure for solar blades and cosmic spells. It's pretty cool. It's campaign changing. It is very short. Um, however, it's got some little neat things in it. There are a couple problems with it. There, I think there were some problems with the uh, translation. Uh, Andre Nova... Novoa, Novoa, I could be saying that wrong, 
um, wrote the module and there are a couple sentences here and there that didn't quite make sense but it's very much a setup of here's a really neat campaign changing toy that the player characters can get that is if they play it smart actually if they really play it smart they'll just sell it to somebody else and let it be their problem but there's uh, catches like any good thing but it's a very interesting module and it's a very fun game so go ahead and check that out on drive through it's like I said it's incredibly short but very campaign changing but not in the crazy lamentations the flame princess sort of way but it still could easily end up in a TPK and the other thing I want to talk about is Night Shift Veterans of the Supernatural Wars this is by Elflare Games they have the Kickstarter going this is an urban fantasy with an old-school inspired system I believe they're calling it the ogre system and it sounds pretty good um, it sort of uses a descending armor class, if I'm understanding their uh, explanation correctly, where to hit rolls are d20 plus stat mod plus class mod plus armor class. So the lower the armor class, the better on your to hit roll. Everyth everything does a d6 damage. How old school is that? And all the skills that are in it based on class run off percentiles. Also old school because we all know old school thieves had percentile based skills. So check out that Kickstarter. The uh, links are in the show notes if you're interested in old school or urban fantasy games. And also check out the Egyptian situation from Outer Time for Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells, which is also a really awesome little adventure for, for an awesome little game. All right, now we're going to go on to the regularly scheduled segment. You know what it's called. It's called... Ancient Forbidden Knowledge. And in case you don't remember, because I skipped it last time because last episode was so long, this is a section of the show where I'm reading through the original D&D books. Uh, and it's improv, too. So I'm just reading it and saying whatever pops into my mind. And we are still on, in case you don't remember, Supplement 1, Greyhawk. And we have made it up to ninth level magic user spells. Because this is where things get crazy. <coughs> okay, for ninth level magic users, we, magic users, spells. And I coughed in there too. I should edit that crap out, but I don't because it just makes it more real. And this is all about being real. So. Ninth level magic user spells. We start off with Meteor Swarm. A blast of four fireballs. Jim. Thrown in whatever pattern the caster desires. Each doing 10 to 60. That's 10 to 6. Points of damage. Or eight fireballs. Jim. Of one half normal diameter. Of 5 to 30 points damage. May likewise be thrown. Range 24 inches. I don't know what the Jim joke is. I really don't. I don't know why it's in there. It doesn't make sense. I, I'm lost. Somebody, get, leave me a message. Drop me an email at magicpigmedia.gmail.com. Let me know what fire, a blast of four fireballs Jim means in Greyhawk. I, I don't know. Don't know who the F Jim is. Um, there's no Jim in the special thanks. Gary Gygox and Rob Kuntz. You know, if it said Tim, I'd say Tim Cask, but it says Jim, so I, pff, no idea. All right, next up we've got Shape Change, a spell used by a magic user upon himself, which has the effect of a polymorph other spells. The user may wish to become a golden dragon and will have the latter's abilities if he chooses to so change his shape to become. 
I have mentioned quite often that some sentences in here are really poorly worded. It's just, just not, not just the fact that I read poorly. Well, I read poorly aloud, okay, but that, 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 that doesn't. Furthermore, it may be altered at will. A magic user changes to a rock and flies off. He changes in flight to a huge red dragon in order to attack an army beneath. Is pursued by a magic user, so changes to a stone and plummets into a lake, wherein he alters the shape to become a fish. Duration 10 to 15 turns, plus a number of turns, equal to the level of the magic user. That kind of reminds me of that wizard fight in the Sword and the Stone, in a way. But just thinking that the power... I mean, ninth level spells are supposed to be powerful, but you can just, like, bop, bop, bop between monster forms. And they didn't make any kind of... It's there. So, all those old spells are really overpowered and left to... Uh, kind of overpowered, in my opinion. Very overpowered. Okay, I admit it, they're very overpowered. But, hey, you died a lot in those old games. So if you make it that far, yeah, you can, like, rock the world. Okay, time stop. This spell freezes time in a three-inch cubic area surrounding the magic user. The user may move freely, but any other creatures within the area or which subsequently enter it will be stopped in time with regard to the magic user. The magic user casting the spell should not be aware of how long the spell will last. Duration, two to five melee turns. So, yeah, another one. Didn't mention anything about the wizard stopping a couple rounds and then just, like, killing people frozen in time, but I remember a lot of times monsters and high-level monsters would buff themselves like crazy with that spell or move stuff around. <laughs> anyway, power word kill. It's like blind, except it kills you. Oh, any creature up to 50 points. Remember, okay, first edition D&D, &D, 50 hit points was a buttload. Not like today where it's got 300 hit points. No, 50 was a buttload. All right, gate. Employment of this spell opens a cosmic portal and allows an ultra-powerful being, such as Odin, Krom, Set, Cthulhu, the Shining One, a demigod, or whatever, to come to this plane. It is recommended that the user of this spell have a highly valid reason for summoning such aid. The name of the being desired must be called when the spell is cast. There is a 95% chance that the called being will come. 5% chance of some other being coming instead. There is also a 5% chance that whatever shows up will simply return immediately after observing the situation. I think that spell's been toned down in later editions. <laughs> there should also be a chance of, and whatever you summon immediately eats your ass or kills your ass. Alright, what's next up? Wish. The same spell is found in the Ring of Wishes. Dungeons and Dragons, Monsters of the Treasure, page 33. Using a wish spell, however, requires so great conjuration that the user will be unable to do anything other than Anything further magically for two to eight days. In a way, I kind of like the idea of spells. It's like, this is a really trying spell, so it burned your juju. I mean, yeah, yeah, burned your juju out. Or your mojo, whatever you want to call it. Next up, we have the Astral Spell. A spell which allows the user to send his astral form undetectable to all but others on the astral plane from his body to other places. Note that a power word blind would not prevent this spell and would not blind his astral form. The magic user may employ spells while in his astral body, but there's a 5% chance per spell level that the spell will fail. In failing the spell, there is a 2% chance per spell level that he will then be forced to return to his body. Example, an 18th level wizard in astral form attempts to cast a 6th level spell. There's a 30% chance that the spell will fail, and if it does fail, there's a 12% chance he'll have to return to his body. If while the magic user has left his body, and it's in the astral plane, his body is moved beyond the spell's range, 
or destroyed, the magic user's astral form is immediately sent to gibber and shriek on the floor in the lowest hell. Duration, subterranean, 12 turns. Outdoor, 8 hours. Range, subterranean, 24 vision. Outdoors, 100 miles per level from 18 upwards. Movement of astral body, subterranean, 12 inches per turn. Outdoors, 100 miles per game per game hour per level from 18 upwards. Now, I'm pretty sure this spell also changed a lot in later editions, um, and I'm not even going to look it up. But think about this. Basically, it lets the magic user go ahead and cast spells. The way it's worded, you're casting spells and sort of not really being there. Which is pretty nasty. It turns your cannon into a stealth cannon. All right, maze. The use of the spell puts its victim in an extra-dimensional maze for up to two to eight melee turns. After the determined time has elapsed, the creature will reappear at the spot where it was mazed out. Creatures with intelligence of 12 or better will require one half the number of turns to escape, while those with intelligence under 6 will require double or triple the amount to escape, range 6 inches. Okay, a lot of fluff in that, but basically you're taking somebody out for a few rounds where they're not getting hurt, but they're not at least fighting, which can let you get away. All right, here's a good classic spell. Dare I say it? It's the wise, the wonderful, the very deadly prismatic wall. When this spell is invoked, a whirling, scything globe of multicolors springs into a distance in, in, into existence around the magic user. The sphere is 20 feet in diameter. Any creature below eight hit dice, which looks at the prismatic sphere, will be blinded for one to six turns. That's up to an hour. The colors of the wall indicate its patterns, and they must be destroyed in order to negate the spell. And this is where it gets fun. So we start with red. Negates ice storm. Use and effect of the color prevents magic missiles. Causes 12 points of damage when passed through. Orange. To negate lightning. Prevents non-magical missiles. Causes 24 points of damage when passed through. Yellow. To negate it, magic missile. Prevents all breath weapons and causes 48 points of damage when passed through. Green. To negate it, pass wall. Anti-location detection. Save versus poison when passed through or dead. <laughs> if the damage didn't kill you first. Ahem. <clears throat> Blue, disintegrate, anti-cleric spell shield, save versus stone when passed through or be petrified. Indigo, dispel magic, general purpose force field, save versus cold as wand when passing through or crystallized, dead, and irrecoverable. Violet, continual light, anti-magic shell of the usual type, save versus spell when passed through or permanently insane, as if if you made all those other save or die things and you finally made it and you didn't take the hit points and you blow the last one, you're, you're batshit insane. Now, referees may wish to change the order negating spell and or use an effect of various colors in order to make it more difficult for their players to break through a prismatic wall. The cast of the spell might pass through it without harm. The spell is one which applies itself well to permanency. Duration, one hour. It's one game hour. I'm not sure why they made that distinction. But let's see. Okay, so if you, let's see, you do, let's see, there's uh, 50, 60, 74 points of damage if you make it through that. Okay, that's just going through, no save. If you survive that, then you've got to make, mm, let's see, um, save versus petrification, turn stone, 
and then save versus cold or wand, be crystallized and dead, save or permanently insane. So yeah, I'm sorry, save versus poison or dead for the anti-location. It's very poorly laid out. So basically one, two, three, four saver dies and a buttload of damage. Enjoy. What's up next? Monster Summoning 7. As I keep saying, 7, it's just one more than 6. And that concludes ninth level magic user spells. What does that mean next time? Next time we're going to talk about the new, quote, new cleric spells that were in Greyhawk. There's not that many. They only go up to, what level I go up to? They go up to seventh level. So it's going to be interesting. And of course, like all lots of old D&D, some of the cleric and magic user spells are, well, they're the same spell. They're just different level or and the reference always in the book is same as the magic user spell of X level. So anyway, that is our reading this week from the Little Brown Books. It's now not, not sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. It's now time to move this episode to a close. Like I said, this has been an episode about nothing, a ramble cast, about th- catching up after that long one last week about Tiggleman or the Blight and Lankmar to catch up on, well, the usual... Um, the usual what's the word I'm looking for the, the the usual segments of the show features of the show whatever you want to call it anyway I want to thank you for listening uh, please check out the Patreon it's patreon.com forward slash they might be gazebos check out the Facebook page check out the blog links are in the show notes and hey you know what I always say roll dice kill monsters take their stuff and have fun because really that's what it's about Have fun, people. Quit. Just have fun, damn it.